0: Welcome to episode 265 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review the Easter round of the NRL season and much, much more. Join us as we build the rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 265 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. Joining me is Tish, and my name is Dr. T. Joining me, Tish, <laughs> Tish um, how are you going? It's Easter Monday. We've just witnessed the, uh, the, the highest quality last versus second last game. <laughs> I think I've seen in quite some time. Uh, mm. Obviously, my eels uh, triumphant over your uh, tigers. Unfortunately, they got yeah. pretty close towards the end. That you know, eels and tigers almost, almost an eastern miracle there. They were calling mm. it uh, with that comeback towards the end there, but it wasn't to be. But Tish, how did you feel watching that game? Did you feel like the tigers have uh, have some uh, glimpses of hope there for the future?
1: Well, Doctor T. Firstly, Happy Easter to you, Doctor T. And Happy Happy Easter to all the listeners out there. I hope everybody had a great Easter long weekend, and um, you know, uh, you know, probably lots of people fighting off traffic uh, left, right, and centre. Um, but look, I hope everybody, everybody stayed safe and had a good Easter. And yes, that was an incredible game. Probably, I would say the greatest NRL game between Team 16 versus Team 17 that we've ever had. You know big call but i think it probably was right i don't think we've yeah. ever had team 16 team 17 with such a great close game in the history of the nrl in the history of rugby league uh you know so but yeah look i think uh, i think the tigers showed glimpses but i think uh just like every week you know the the, the thing is um it, it feels like they start playing once they're behind by such a long way that they've that it's like you know like <laughs> Okay, we could come close. Like they get close, right? But then once they get close, they go back to how they used to play that, you know, sort of bloated it out again. And I think that's kind of mm. where they're doing it. So, um, you know, but look, you know, they, they've got the bye this week. And um, <laughs> it's so it's hopefully points,
0: the first two points of the season for the Tigers.
1: That, that's right. That's right. So things not going to plan, I'd say. But look, I think Parramatta, I think it was a much needed win for them. I mean, they are one of the, you know, at the start of the season, I think a lot of people had them, uh, you know, as one of the contenders. Um, so it's really interesting to see how their season has went. And I think that's why, um, you know, on this show, we're doing a ladder review, right, later on to to sort of go through, um, you know, the teams that are doing well and the teams not doing well to see where, where they'll go. But I think, yeah, but but, but Paramount, I think, much deserved win. I also think that this is out of all the games that they've had this year, um, you know they've had a lot of difficult teams that they've played already, so I don't think we've got an accurate uh, understanding of how how good of a team they are at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, and look, you're right. I think uh, look, Easter brings it's a time of of renewal for a lot of people. Uh, you know, obviously, very significant religious occasion, and mm. and I think today's episode, I think we're gonna we're gonna take a bit of a step back and look uh, look at where we're up to in the ladder. Uh, what's happening, uh, and, and but also we're going to look a little bit afar and uh, look beyond our our shores and uh, take a quick look at what's happening in the Super League. Things are going well there in 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 some ways as well. Um, but yeah, and obviously we'll uh, we'll check in with Chad because uh, Chad GPT is going to surely blow us away with. Uh, a different point of view from what we're used to but look there's a lot to talk about Uh, it's been a big round a lot to talk about so let's dive into round one uh, or tackle number one which is the round six easter round review all right the Easter round kicked off on Thursday night with the Storm flogging the Roosters 28 points to eight. A uh, lot of controversy in that one. Oh, but, by the way, there was an Amy Park in front of 16,000 or so. A bit of controversy there with a the Victor Radley uh, sin binning uh, for a late tackle. It wasn't even high. <laughs> you know, look, I'm, I'm anti-Storm as much as anyone, but I think uh, that that was a you know, that was a bit unfair, <laughs> I think, for uh, for the Roosters. I think that was a bit weird. But, look, um, the next uh, game was the Friday night, the traditional or the recently traditional Good Friday Clash, South Sydney Rabbitohs flogging the Bulldogs 50 points to 16, a masterclass there by uh, Latrell Mitchell, who scored a hat-trick at a core stadium in front of a big crowd of 35,000. Uh, fans, and that was followed up by uh, another fairly big crowd at Queensland Country Bank Stadium for the Cowboys versus the Dolphins in front of about 22,000, and the Dolphins won that one, 32 to 22. So, you know, Wayne Bennett, uh, he's uh, he's got he's got the wood on on the uh, on the Queensland teams, I think. Um, then the Panthers flogging the Manly Warringah Seagulls 44 to 12. Uh, on the first of two Saturday games at BlueBet Stadium in front of a big twenty thousand crowd, and that was followed by an upset: the Raiders twenty to fourteen over the Brisbane Broncos at Suncorp Stadium in front of thirty-one thousand. And uh, Sunday saw two games: Gold Coast uh, triumphing twenty to eighteen against St. George Illawarra Dragons at SeaBus Super Stadium in front of. Uh, Pretty relatively small 12,000 or so crowd um, and then the Newcastle Knights 34 to 24 at home uh, against the Warriors winning uh, in front of about 18,000 or so and obviously we just spoke about the Easter Monday clash that just happened today the Parramatta Eels 28 over the West Tigers 22 at a core stadium and um, I'm not sure if we've got the crowd for that one. We'll have to look that up. But uh, it looked pretty big. I think it was over 30,000, I believe, which is a pretty good crowd. And uh, obviously the Cronulla Southern Sharks had the buy. Tish, uh, look, a lot of good, interesting points in that round. Um, I think, as I said, there was a lot of controversy from the very beginning. The uh, Victor Radley sin binning in uh, the Sydney Roosters Melbourne Storm Clash. Latrell, uh, the obviously, there was a bit of uh, uh, you know, bit of a masterclass there. Three tries, uh, hat trick. You know, it's always good to get a hat trick, but the Bulldogs. I don't know what happened to them to to leak fifty points is probably not what new coach Cameron Serraldo would be very happy about. And obviously, we uh, look. Canberra Raiders is the other is the other really surprising one, I think, because Brisbane were you know on top of the world and. Uh, you know, well, we know what Canberra's been up to in the last uh, last few weeks. We've had a lot of controversy and uh, not really putting it all together on the field, but they seem to do that this time around. So, uh, you know, a turning point for the Canberra Raiders as well. And uh, given that they were also very close to the bottom of the ladder as well, you know, well before time. But look, Eels and Tigers, to me, I think was a, it was a nice way to cap off the weekend. Uh, uh, mm. The first half, I have to say... There, it was well, even 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 a little bit into the second half. I think there was a bit of a comedy of errors um, on several occasions, not just for the Tigers mm. but even for the Eels. There was just some uh, you know, poor defence, really poor handling, poor decision making. But what what really stood out in this Eels uh, victory was Mitchell Moses. Uh, I think he had a record breaking uh, personal best four assists. Four tries wow. in that match, so that was amazing. Mm. Three of them were the the most perfectly weighted kicks that you would you would hope for. Um, the first one in particular, I think, uh, you know, sliced the defence, and mm. all of a sudden Dylan Brown came out of nowhere, uh, picked it up, quickly passed it to uh, Clint Gutherson for the try. Um, there was another couple of good kicks, and then and a really good cutout pass pass uh right to mike asivo's chest who just dived over um and i think he actually got a double today as well so he did pretty well yeah from the tigers um you know i'll throw it to you but i think the bad news that we're hearing is uh adam dewey has i think done possibly an acl on his uh, yeah. left knee. unfortunately that's uh the latest but yeah um look Appy did well uh, to get them back into the match I think so I think Appy when he's when he turns it on he's got the potential to be a game breaker for the Tigers but look lots more to talk about I think with the Tigers and mm. what are you what are your what is your take on that game
1: Yeah well you've uh, you've 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 mentioned something which is the uh, comedy of errors right and um and I'm just trying to think like cuz I think I was, you know, unfortunately, I, I really can't uh, analyze the game where the Tigers are playing because I feel like um, I'm such a Tigers fan. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember any mistake Parramatta did, but I can could, I could remember like, you know, I'll remember for the for the rest of my life every mistake the Tigers have done. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, yeah. yep. it's one of these things you kind of say. But like I, I do remember there was a passage of play where I think Parramatta first made a break and then dropped the ball. Then the Tigers, uh, you know, made the break. And then they dropped the ball, and then it was like you know, um, you know, like different things. Um, I saw one where like uh, yeah, so the, so that was that. And then um, you know there was a there was a couple of um, you know I think uh, you know the pan uh, the the Parameter Eels uh, they had to do a couple of line dropouts. Uh, I think about five of them, and they they did them all short, except for the last one. But then the Tiger got. Guy- Ended up dropping the ball, <laughs> so there was like uh, you know there's a few things like that that sort of happened throughout the game, and um, you know yeah, and obviously the Adam Dewey injuries is kind of, kind of massive, you know um, I was complaining about him to be honest uh all, while the game was going just because I felt like he uh he took forever to play the ball, you know um he'd get up he'd have a conversation with somebody. Uh, I don't know, like sip a latte and then play the ball. I was like, man, like you <laughs> just hurry up there, you know? Like we're on, we're the attack, right? And then and sometimes I felt like the the Tigers were were strolling, and um and I, I felt like um you know they were kind of like an under sevens, not rugby league team, but under sevens uh, football team, a little bit like a soccer team where all the kids just chase the ball, right? So <laughs> their whole attack is everybody just trying to get the ball themselves, right? Without actually spreading out and actually having a, a plan, um, so there was like just little things like that that happened. Um, of course, Adam Dewey looks like a very serious injury. Um, like you know, he kind of looked like he was so, in so much pain. And then they were talking about the ACL. But look, you know, um, you know the thing about the ACL, which I didn't understand, Doctor T. Like, um, you know, like you know, Josh Adokar, he had a pretty severe injury uh, in in the, his game, right? They had like trainers carrying him off, right? Like, you know, but, but Adam was like sort of walking off, right? And I was thinking, like, you know, wouldn't you be wincing more in pain? Like, I, I wasn't, I was trying to, I was trying to diagnose the injury from his facial expressions. Um, and, and, and I felt like it was just cramp, but like, I don't, I don't know, but, um, but the reports come out, like, with an ACL, aren't you, like, you're not able to walk out of the game, right? Like, is that, is that like, uh, have the Tigers medical staff done something really wrong by allowing him to just walk off the field with a broken ACL? Is that, is that how it works?
0: Well, I mean, are they are they defining ACL in the same way? <laughs> I mean, is it what does it stand for in the Tigers land? Is it oh. uh, <laughs> okay. almost cracked ligament? Is that, what, <laughs> is that what is that what ACL stands for? I don't know. You just yeah. never But look, I I did notice. Well, that well hopefully better.
1: they've got an Australian definition, not a US definition, like they've had with this uh, Anzac Day jersey fiasco. But anyway, <laughs> but enough on that. But look, I, look. Yeah, but the Tigers look. They were close. Um, I think at the end of the day, like um, I you know, obviously I was like, uh like a lot of Tigers fans, I'm thinking about you know how do we, what do we need to do to change and all this kind of stuff. But I think, uh I I did. There was a bit of a reminder. Uh, a little bit this week, where, where to be honest, Tim Sheens, he has a plan. Like, you know, he's got that five year plan thing happening, right? And this is what should be expected in the first half of the plan, right? Is that we have to build the side again from scratch. So we are going to have this is 2023 is a write off season for us, right? And you can already tell, like, you know, six games out because they're trying to rebuild the culture of the club. So it may not be the best approach, but if, if if this is the necessary evil that we need to put up with, then we'll do it. Um, but look, at the end of the day, it also shows that they can compete. Like, Parramatta is a top team, in my opinion. They're able to compete with Parramatta, so they should be able to compete week in, week out. And I think that's what um, is the goal here, is that we don't have any blowouts, but we are in the game like we're in this game. And then when you're in the game for the majority of the season, you are going to win games, like, you know. So I think that's what ch- uh, the Tigers are going to start aiming for, for, like, you know, uh, after the bye, you know, it's... <laughs> I mean, we don't have any wins anyway. Let's play every game to try and compete in every game. And I think once they do that, like, forget this whole, uh, you know, uh, you, know gl- you know, new attack or whatever. Just try to compete. I think they'll do well. I think Parramatta showed their class, right? Because, like, um, you know, Mitchell Moses was fantastic. Uh, he's... He had the ball on a string, right? He knew exactly where the ball was going to bounce. And I and he, and I thought, yeah, he's just showing that he he is probably, um, you know, top three halfbacks, top three or four halfbacks in the competition. And, um, um, you know, sort of certainly making his good. And I think um, with him and the team, with Brown, and I think obviously with uh, King Gutho, um, you know, they should be able to beat most teams. So good to see their season starting to get better. Back on track a little bit with their second win, uh, but they do have a bit of catch up to go, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But look, I my last word on on this game and on the round is uh, uh, let's let's harken back to last episode, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about the tigers and we looked at the stats, and you know, not to bore everyone with the stats, but I think the this game kind of typified, especially in the first half. Uh, you know the difference between the two sides, but also the Tigers and wh- where they're going wrong. They had a lot of uh, possession, <laughs> a lot more than Parramatta. Uh, from from all accounts, um, they were they were definitely throwing the ball around, but the difference was they had no um, no killer punch at the end. They had no uh, you know they couldn't convert their possession and their field position to points uh on the contrary i think the eels felt like they their points all came out of uh against the runner play and they felt that they weren't actually um you know holding on to the ball etc and then what you saw in the second half there was a, a point at which they showed the stats and the eels had 100 completion rate so they they certainly at halftime learnt their lesson they evolved um and uh you know in the first half i think they felt that they were not really playing their game, uh, and and I, I have to end with uh, you know a comment that Mitchell Moses made, which I don't know if it was a dig against his old club and his old teammates, but or or whether it was uh, the way that they actually you know the Eels actually look at the Tigers and prepared for them. He made a comment about we need to not play their game of you know their touch footy style game. We need to play our game. Um, he said that at halftime as he was being interviewed uh, going into the sheds, which I thought was really fascinating because mm. I think, um, you know, we talk about it and and certainly the stats show that the, the Tigers play this kind of expansive throw the ball around kind of game. But actually uh, it is actually seen as a bit unpredictable by other teams and it also is, uh, you know, it means that I think that that's what's lacking, I think, with the Tigers is that structure that's needed to mm. uh, to sort of, you know, run your lines and, and you need some sort of structure. So fascinating comment there from Mitchell Moses, because I think that sort of indicates maybe others are seeing the same sort of flaws as what the stats are showing as well. But uh, anyway, look, with that in mind, uh, the the idea yeah. of an analysing work. Well, well, let me where, just where add the a little bit to that. You oh, mentioned. Yeah, go ahead. The, oh, oh
1: yeah, I was just going to say, um, yeah, you're right about the stats. Actually, everything points to the Tigers being on top of
0: this game. Yeah, the stats showed <laughs> right, so that they should have been winning. Yeah,
1: they should have been winning. So, so, so I think that 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 adds to your point. But, but shall we
0: move on? Let's move on. Take on number two. Letter review. Now, like I said earlier, I think this is the right time to have a look at where we are at with the ladder. Because I think uh, I think it's fair to say that we, are, in many ways, are nowhere near where, where we predicted some of these teams to be at this point. Um, and look, you know, premierships aren't won in April, um, certainly not in Easter. There's a long, long, long way to go in this season But I think this is a good time to start looking at, uh, you know, what are we seeing in the ladder? Are we seeing some surprises? Are there some contenders that we hadn't thought of? Uh, Are there some that we thought were contenders that have, you know, pretty much dropped out of the race and and we can draw a line through them? Or is it too early to tell? Um, Let's have a look at the ladder. So I'll go through. So 1 to 8 is as follows. The Broncos are still on top. Uh, They're on 10 points. Uh, In equal second, (laughs) there are six teams Uh, (laughs) Panthers, I'll go in order of uh, points differential Um, The Panthers are in officially number two With a points difference of plus 77 Then comes the Storm plus 26 Then the Dolphins uh, in their debut season plus 10 Then the Warriors at plus 8 Then the Titans are on minus 8 and Roosters are on minus 12. Obviously, they've had a, a few floggings that have uh, led to that. But so all of those teams are equal on eight points. Now, some have four wins and some have three wins and a buy. Um, but regardless of that, eight points it is. And then you've got two teams in, uh, well, equal eighth uh, with seven points. And though that is the Knights, who are slightly... <laughs> Slightly ahead, they're in the top eight, with a negative two differential uh, of plus minus four and against. And uh, the seagulls at negative four are on ninth mm. as a result of that. So literally, a goal kick difference—the <laughs> difference between being in and out of the top eight for the the knights and the seagulls. Uh, and then we've got on six points, um, tenth spot is the rabidos. Uh, and then the with Dragons... A at, with a positive differential? of plus 28, uh, if you can work that out. Well, they have had three losses. I mean, three wins, three losses, no buys. Uh, you know, the, that's a lot of losses. <laughs> um, and the Dragons next with negative 16, and then the Bulldogs with negative 42. Obviously, the Bulldogs with that drubbing uh, recently has pushed them down a little bit. And then on 13th place... Equal 13th, we've got four teams. The Sharks, the Eels, the Cowboys, and the Raiders. Um, And the Sharks are on plus 21. Eels are on minus 13. Cowboys are on minus 24. And Raiders are on minus 48. And then uh, dead last, the Tigers, with zero (laughs) wins. uh, And negative 70. So clearly, uh, you know, the worst worst defense in the league, the worst offense in the league, but not much. Uh, well, you know, not by not much. Like the Roos have only scored four more points than the Tigers. So when you put it that way, oh, yeah. but the difference is really the defense, isn't it? So, look, when you look at it that way, the first thing that pops out to me, Tish, and I'll throw it to you, is the vast difference between the teams that were riding high at this time, well, not at this time, but at um at the business end of last season. Uh, we had the Sharks, the Eels, and the Cowboys. Uh and they're coming currently 13th, 14th, and 15th. And these were uh I believe two, they were three and top, four. two, three, and four, top four, uh, top four sides, all of them. Mm. And um, you know, I can't explain it. That to me is the biggest shift. Um, obviously the Panthers were the minor premiers, and they're coming second at the moment. They're only, you know, slightly behind uh the the Broncos anyway. Uh but look I can't explain what's going on with the Sharks, the Eels and the Cowboys. We have talked about, I think the Eels, they've been a bit unlucky. They've, they've uh, allowed some close games to get away from them and uh, they should have won those games. And I think you would be seeing an Eels close to the top of the ladder had they actually uh, converted some of those golden points and, and close to golden point uh, losses to victories. So... Um, you know, when you look at it, it's two wins and four losses. It's not a good sign, um, unfortunately. And for the eels, the, the sharks have had the buy, so they've, they're, I think they're at two and three losses and one buy, I believe. Um, so look, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. It's that's just really shocking. But Tish, what do you think about that? Uh, let's start with that. Uh, those yeah. in the top four last year, uh, right near the bottom this time.
1: Yeah. Well, look, um, let me just talk about the top eight from last year because it just throws another team in there, which is the Raiders, because they were a top eight last year too, right? Yeah. So Sharks, Eels, Cowboys, Raiders, all on four points, all with only two wins and four losses, um, and all with – uh well, uh, other than the Sharks uh, – rest of them having um, negative differentials too, right? So I think clearly these three teams well, uh, I mean, maybe maybe you could exclude the Chucks, but the Eels, the Cowboys and Raiders have been a lot disappointing than what they were from last season. I think for the Eels uh, you know, I think three weeks in a row they they played the team coming off the bye which I think was a horrible thing for them to happen. Plus they've also had some, you know, they had the grand final replay, which they won. <laughs> right? So... Yeah. um which is kind of interesting too. So so I think I think the eels um I think it's a bit hard to to sort of uh I think they've had a tough draw to begin with so I think that's what happens. Um however the Cowboys and the Raiders I, I feel like uh they've certainly um underperformed what we would expect from them particularly the cowboys who had such a great start to the season last year i think they were riding high um you know in early rounds um, but and everybody thought oh when when are the cowboys going to uh, lose momentum and they never did but this year that they've been very slow off the blocks a little bit and um you yeah, know they were in the game against the dolphins and you would have thought that the cowboys would have been able to manage a victory uh just based on last year's success but, you know, the Dolphins, the ragtag team, they were able to hold it together and hold their nerve and in the end uh, come away with the points, right? So, yeah, so something is 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 sort of not happening for the Cowboys at the moment, which, uh, which kind of says to me, I know it's a long way out before the season finishes, kind of feel like they need to address a few things before they'll be riding high um, in the competition. Um, yeah, and then look, another top eight team, the Rabbitohs, uh, they are not in the top eight at the moment too. So, you know, what do you got? One, two, three, four, five of last year's top eight after six rounds not sitting in the uh, top eight. So you've only got the Panthers um, and the Roosters are the only teams from last year's final series in the actual top eight. It's kind of amazing, really.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, just the way things have flipped. I mean, can you explain it? What's going on? <laughs> what's what's mm. uh, caused the flip? Is the is it the introduction of the dolphins? Has that caused a bit of a uh, mm. you know a reshuffling of things? Because we did see initially the storm struggling, but well, they're back to their winning way, So they're they're on the rise anyway. But uh, but yeah, I wonder if the the addition of that new team has uh, caused any. Any changes? I think we have spoken about this in the past yeah. uh, past couple of episodes, but yeah. Have the
1: I, Dolphins caused a bit of a flipper in the <laughs> NRL?
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, look. Uh, it's uh, something to do with the. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, look. look but, but what I do think it could be, uh, I think it's also to do with last year's World Cup. Um, and how the probably the top yeah. teams from last year they had a lot of yeah, you know, um, they probably started their off a little later than the rest of the teams, um, and then so as a result, uh, they're probably just warming up to it. So um, you know, and and I do feel like teams like the Storm and um, you know you could probably say that the the Eels and the Sharks and I think the Rabbitohs too. I mean they had a good win over the weekend. They're starting to find their feet and starting to find their form a little bit. So who knows what's going to happen in a month's time. They, they might be back up to the top. And, um, you know, I could see teams like the Dolphins, the Titans kind of losing a bit of momentum as well. So the Warriors perhaps losing a bit of momentum. They lost to the Knights over the weekend. So, yeah, maybe, maybe that's also about to happen as well.
0: Yeah. All right. So look, let me, well, you were talking about what's about to happen. What, what is the, what are the main things that you're seeing? Are there, is there going to be a major shift? Uh, You know, we're about to hit state of origin season, you know, in a month or Mm. so as well. So that's the other thing to consider is that that usually causes a lot of disruption, but Mm. before, you know, and then, and then it kind of stabilizes on the way to the, uh, the, the road to the finals. There's you kind of get a rough idea of which teams are heading towards the top eight. I think that's what happened last year, that there was not much, um, you know, no one really came from the clouds, so to speak, to, to kind of clinch a top eight spot. Um, you know, mm. it might be different this time because we've got, you know, the Sharks, the Eels and the, the Raiders uh, and the Cowboys that have been there before, only last year, and have a lot of potential. Having said that, the Eels probably out of all of those teams, the Eels are the ones that have lost the most in terms of their personnel. Um, you know, they've lost some very key players to the Bulldogs and, and to a few other clubs as well. And and yet, you know, they're still fighting. I mean, uh, they're still, they're close. They're close. Uh, they're, closer. they're not quite um, not quite there yet, but they're, they're the ones I think most likely to make that that charge towards the top eight. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we are talking, uh, there are only three points out of the top eight. <laughs> so, after all that, um, they're a win and a half away from the top eight. So, uh, it's, it, it doesn't take much, really. It's in, in a couple of rounds, we may be seeing the Sharks, Eagles, and the Cowboys and the Raiders uh, charging their way already into the top eight. But, Tish, is there any other uh, major prediction that you want to lay on the line here? For uh, up or down for this uh, ladder.
1: Mm. So uh, well, I didn't even think about Origin season, but you put that through. So then I'm thinking at a team like the Roosters and the Rabbitohs and the and probably the Cowboys who have a lot of teams. Uh, yeah. So my predictions. You know what? Let me do this. I don't think Cowboys will make it.
0: Wow! Already, I, you're going to draw a line yeah. under them.
1: I'm going to draw a line out of the Cowboys. I don't think uh, I, I don't think the Seahawks are going to make it. I know they didn't make it last year, so I, I, I think the Cowboys are gone. I feel um,
0: <laughs> right. Wow. Just,
1: well, that's yeah. Todd
0: Payton, Coach of the Year, wasn't he? Well,
1: y- yeah, he was. He was. So yeah. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Look, and yeah. I think Canberra are gone too. Can I say that? Like, so I think out of last year's top eight, I think Canberra are gone. I think Cowboys are gone. So um, yeah, and I think. I think the Broncos are going to make it for sure now. I like. I thought they'd lose a bit of steam, but they're not. So the Broncos are going to be one of those teams. And uh, yeah, I still think the Storm. Will, yeah, uh, th- but they're, they're the two from last year's top eight, which I, which I'm kind of. I, I'm. I, I'm. Yeah, they're out. They're gone. I feel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's harsh. That is harsh. But look, What's I. Pocket,
1: anyway?
0: yeah. I. <laughs> I foresee the Queensland teams in the top eight. Uh, All five. I, for, I foresee them diving outside of the top eight eventually. Um, right. I, I just realised
1: Melbourne's not in uh, Queensland, is it? So yeah. So, so no, so, yeah,
0: <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's hard to forget. Although some of their key players are now with the Dolphins, so there you go. The the uh, anyway. Um. I, I yeah, I reckon the Queensland teams will will struggle. Um, come Origin, it'll get worse. So I think, I actually think the Cowboys will rise <laughs> to, into the top eight, and we'll see two potentially all three of the current Queensland teams in the top eight drop out. Um, I'm predicting actually that the Dolphins will do a lot better than. maybe than the Broncos (laughs) over time. Mm. So it remains to be seen. But, yeah, I'm trusting Wayne Bennett at the moment. But, look, those are our predictions for now. Let's have a look and have a laugh at this in a few few weeks. I'm sure it'll completely change and flip again. But, yeah, I think that's the story of the ladder so far in the NRL this year. It's um, a complete flip from last year in many ways. But I think it's too early to tell in my view i think there's a lot more that has to a lot more water under that has to go under the bridge uh in this nrl season i know we're seeing some teams kind of uh, coalescing at the top there and uh, especially teams like panthers and storm who are almost always at the top but i think we're going to see a bit of a realignment this year I'm, i'm predicting some big changes uh to the teams that we normally see at the top and uh you know let's not forget panthers I uh, talked about the Eels uh, losing some key players. The Panthers have also lost uh, Kikau and Appy Korosau as well uh, this year. And, uh, you know, Appy had a great game uh, for the Tigers towards the end there. He was probably the instrumental, uh, the instrument of their comeback, I think. Uh, uh, and up, up until the, towards the very end, he was... Uh, he was going great guns, I think, uh, except for that missed uh, goal kick that unfortunately he took. But look, oh, yes. you know. But look, it was close. I suppose it was close. He hasn't kicked for years, but um, but look, the play play wise, I think uh, you know. I think the, the question remains: How much will the Panthers miss not having Coruscant there when it counts? And I don't think any of those teams have really been tested. Uh, mm. And uh, and really, it's the, it's when we get to the road to the finals that it really counts. And I think this is all the kind of jostling for position, uh, and uh, and and the fo- the the real test will come after State of Origin. I think when teams start realising this is our final push for the top eight, um, and then they'll start taking things a lot more seriously. But I think um, yeah, at the moment it's uh, topsy turvy land for sure. All right, let's move on to tackle number three. Here we go. All right, so look, uh, we've we've seen some clubs uh, this year having uh, real uh you know opportunity to to look deep at, uh, at at what they're doing and they've they've had a lot of challenges and and testing times and none other than Newcastle Newcastle has uh has had the, its fair share of uh, difficulties this year uh starting with uh well the main thing being the the round three thrashing at the hands of the dolphins they had lost two from their opening three games. And then, obviously, the issues with Kalen Ponga and uh, and and you know, compounding what was already occurring there, and and I guess Tish, uh, what one of the the bits of uh, I guess news or uh, you know, interesting spotlight that we're going to shine on Newcastle is that they've had what the Knights coach has Adam O'Brien has referred to as some honest conversations. Quote. Uh, that took place within the four walls there at Newcastle uh, prior to their famous victory against the Warriors uh, on Sunday night during the Easter round. And, Tish, uh, yeah, what what kinds of uh, honest conversations uh, do you think that they've been having internally at Newcastle?
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, you kind of wonder as a NRL fan when your team's not doing well, you know, what's happening at training and, you know, we kind of think about the actual physical part of the game, um, you know, but, you know, what Adam O'Brien is sort of uh, attributing their sort of uh, ability to try and um be more resilient a- up against, uh, you know, sort of the adversity they've had at the start of the season is by having honest conversations, right? So, you know, one thing that I've read is that, uh, you know, he said something about, you know, I'm sick to death of talking about last year. It is a different group of new. Uh, it, it, it is a different group, new players, staff, and we're having a crack. We have to get better. We'll review what we've got, uh, and we've got a pretty handy team um, coming to this town. So let's see how we go next week. You know. So I was like, okay. So he's sort of um, not letting you know, uh, not letting too many people compare last year's you know roster or last year's team to this year's team and then you know and then looking at it from that point of view which I think is really good and you know he's talked about having honest conversations with like you know people like Jack- Jackson Hastings who's new to the club um yeah. you know I think they've got like uh Tyson Gambell and then they had uh Phoenix Crosland I think uh you know was in the 58 position this week um and you know it's it seems to be working from them having these sort of tough conversations with players um i think he's talked to a player like tyson Frazel, very experienced former origin player former uh you know uh you know former uh you know uh international and so forth uh, and then really having a good conversation about him being a leader in the team and so f- uh, and everything so yeah so it's interesting i mean like um I suppose, uh, you know, w- when's the time that you need to have these honest conversations, Dr. T? Like, is it, I mean, aren't you supposed to be honest all the time with your players or or should we, um, you know, or, you know, do, is, is part of the reason why some teams are not performing well is because maybe you're too honest with them as well? Like, you know, could that be it, you know? Um, you know, what's, <laughs> where does honesty play in the uh, in the performance, uh, I don't know, uh, cycle? What do you think it plays it Dr. to Yeah, a clear.
0: Clearly, it's an optional extra um, <laughs> to have honest conversations, because it sounds like. Look, I I agree. I, I'm glad you picked up on that, because we sort of see these articles and and we we hear about these stories about you know they've had to. Um, it's a funny phrase, honest conversations. It sort of implies mm. that 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 they the truth is somehow hidden and and not really addressed um Mm. which kind of worries you because like the amount of money that's been thrown at these players they're professionals they're getting paid a lot to be you know essentially you know warriors and gladiators kind of thing in, in this in the field of uh on the field and and in the sporting sense and and yet and yet you can't have uh you know, and with all the money being thrown at this, these clubs and and uh, flying around, uh, to think that, you know, that like they're not having honest conversations all the time, like what what do you, what do you do when you're reviewing your video in training? Are you not having honest conversations about who has caused the gaps in the defence and what we need to do in training? And like, I. I think that's really—it's an odd turn of phrase, um, mm. and I think if you look, if you dig deeper at what it means, it's, it means that uh, I think uh, there there is a tendency to kind of just go along uh, with the routine, and mm. and and you just kind of end up just doing the same thing all the time doing your video on your Thursday and your carbs on your Wednesday and your leg day on your Friday and your mm. cardio on Tuesday or whatever it is that they do um, whatever routines that they've got I get the feeling that that sometimes you can over-routinize the the squad and the training regime and and uh, you know the players really uh, and that gets to a point where you're not actually looking at what are the issues that you're confronting as a team? What, what is going on? You know, um, I find it hard to believe that, that, for example, with the Tigers, that we, you know, we've had, uh, you know, our, ourselves, we've never played in the top flight. Uh, mm. We're just fans. We just had a rudimentary look at some stats last week. To analyse what the the Tigers' uh, struggles are at the moment and where they could do better, and it it almost you know it almost perfectly played out today in the Easter round game against uh, the Eels, uh, the same exact problems they had. All the possession, they the stats showed that they they were on top. Um, Except when it counted, <laughs> they they didn't put it together, they didn't have the finishing touches. This is exactly what we said last week. And yeah. for me, I'm thinking if I'm using the Tigers as an example of this conversation about the Newcastle Knights, when you it it I find it baffling that no one potentially in that in that coaching lineup would have Either looked at that and said, "This is the problem we have. We need to change. We can't. Mm. We can't keep doing this. We don't have. We don't have that um, clutch player that can give us, or two or three uh, mm. that can combine to to score points when it counts, like a Mitchell Moses, a Dylan Brown, or a Clint Gutherson. We don't have those players, or do we? You know, if we do, then let's focus them in a way that ensures that we're more likely to get." points on the board because that's what we need to do otherwise you know what's the worst thing is when you play play that kind of pass quick passes or or many offloads kind of gameplay and it it doesn't eventuate doesn't turn into points it can really be frustrating so to me i'm looking at the honest conversations thing you know how is it that us you know we were able to come up with this analysis that ended up being you know quite true in a way this week and yet people who are paid to be the coaching staff there uh, are not doing it and I think I don't think it's that we've got a, a, a massive amount of ability to t- analyze in the game I don't think it's mm. that at all I think it's that the, the way professional sport is being run often there is this sense of camaraderie keeping everyone together, the coach has got to not lose the dressing room, there's there's corporate sponsors, there's all sorts of pressures, and there's the routine of getting through the long season, doing what you need to do. Here are the structures that work because, you know, the assistant coach, it worked under Cleary at Penrith or it worked under Bellamy at, at the Storm, so therefore I'm just going to do this, you know, and in fact, then what happens is they realize uh, that things don't go their way. And then they think, well, we need to take a bit of a step back and, and have an honest conversation. Um, mm. And that happens a lot. Like I've certainly seen examples of this with, um, uh, you know, let me ask you, Tish, have you ever seen a coach of your, a team that you follow uh, answer questions at a press conference and that you think, um, does this guy know what he's Doing because <laughs> it feels like he, when when he's asked, "What's you know, Brad Brad Arthur, what's what, what's the matter? Can you explain what's going on?" and and they just sort of go, oh, "I just can't explain it." You know, we we're given hundred percent at training, and there's a uh, and you just shake your head as a fan, and you think, "Are they? Maybe they need an honest conversation with themselves. <laughs> maybe that's yeah. what it is." But look, um, yeah, look, that's well, my. I, analysis I feel of, like
1: I feel like Adam. I think I feel like Adam O'Brien had those type of press conferences last year, actually. <laughs> Oh, did he? Okay, did he, yeah, because yeah. yeah, like yeah, because I've said that. So yeah, look in the press conference, they do say, or they, you know, I suppose it's um, in the heat of the moment, or you know, just after the victory, so they're already sort of emotionally down. They haven't had time to reflect, maybe perhaps, um, and they just think, uh, like you know, uh, yeah. So 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 they're puzzled at that stage, right? Uh, but. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, if you've got things that happen week in, week out, right, and you don't, because like, uh, and then you you want these changes to occur, but they're not happening, then then you just got to call it, right? So I think that's probably what it is. Like you know, I think for me, I mean, I would take the 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 ten minutes at the start of the the Tigers game where they had all that possession and couldn't score, and then I would show that footage where the Panther uh, the Parramatta. On their first raid, we're able to score. And I would just say, Well, look, we're finding it hard and frustrating. Why is it so easy for them? And why is it so hard for us? Right? And 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 just see what the players think, right? Get get mm. that feedback. And I think that's probably where the honest conversation comes from. So it's not really uh that they don't have conversations, it's just that they're probably not having the right conversations and and people are 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 letting things being unsaid that need to be said, if that makes sense. Um, and you kind of see that in the modern game too. Like, you know, a player drops the ball and it's their mistake and they put their hand up saying, um, you know, hey, sorry, guys, it was my mistake, whatever. But then, yeah, yeah. fair enough, it was a mistake. But then uh, was the pass good, <laughs> right? Like, you know, um, you know, w- was it entirely your fault? Should that pass have it ever been made? Should the other player should have t- take a lot? Like, I think, I think actually getting that understanding of that and then, you know, uh, you know, it's it's not good week in week out to keep correcting as well. Um, so you also got to look at it like this. Okay, we we had this set of six; it didn't work out well. Okay, now the question is: Do we keep going down this path, right? Um, and it will eventually work for us, or do we need to change, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and then, but I think there's got to be a certain point where you just go, you know what, uh, like we got to change because it's not working right so i yeah so i think and i think but it looks like um newcastle have got it's like if that's if they're able to be open um i think that's probably what's leading to a little bit of their success at the moment um still don't know if they're going to make the top 8 um but it's interesting they've, they've kind of they've kind of lost their marquee player but yet they're they're still winning games so you know i think i think whatever they're doing at the moment it, it seems to be working for them
0: yeah absolutely. And, and look back to what I was saying before, I think I'll finish off by saying that look it's it's not a bad thing when they have honest conversation. I think it's just a funny turn of phrase, and I think mm. um it it just makes me wonder whether whether there is a, an element of you know blindly following a routine and habits in order to get through the week and 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 not kind of you know having that um, that that stopping and thinking about where you're going. Um, and I think the more we hear teams doing that, the more it tends to work, um, you know, for them, uh, I think, you know, the, the Tigers isn't an, as an example, they've got a lot of problems that they need to resolve and, um, you know, plenty of other teams as well that they've, the way that they've overcome it is, uh, their, their challenges is to dig deep and really take a step back and, and, uh, step back away from the, the routine. And maybe that's what is meant by honest conversations. And I think, uh, you know, more power to the teams that do that because I think uh, if they do it at this time of year as well, this is when you give yourself enough time to turn things around. Um, it's too late to do a soul-searching after after Origin and in the road to the <laughs> finals when it may be too late. So I think Newcastle... I'm, uh, you know, it's a positive sign, um, and certainly there are some other teams that could could also look to Newcastle as an example of what they need to do. But look, at the end of the day, it's the results on the board that matters, and and so um, let's see if that actually turns around the club and uh, and their fortunes this year. So. Let's look at uh, abroad now. Speaking of breaking our habits, we tend to focus on the NRL. Let's focus a little bit on the UK and Europe uh, in the Super League. Let's go tackle number four. All right, so we don't want to we don't want to just focus on the NRL. We want to look at uh, well beyond uh, what's happening in these shores. And if we look over at the Super League, they have done very well recently. They have broken uh, their attendance record with a bumper Easter weekend crowds. They've smashed their regular six match uh, round of uh, attendance. Uh, with what they call the Rivals Round. There were 83,357 across all six Super League matches across the Easter weekend, which beat the previous record in Easter 2019 by around 4,000. So obviously we're back to pre-COVID days and then mm. some, which is good. It's always a good sign when that happens. We're bouncing back. Um, the decision was made to set a number of single Rivals Round over this Easter and spread the six fixtures over four days rather than making teams play two games over the course of three or four days, which is what they used to do. Um, the decision was made largely due to player welfare. It's proved a huge hit with supporters and obviously, as I said, 83,000 or so across the six matches. Um, and it's a, like I said, it's a 5% increase on the previous record of 79,000. Uh, that was set in 2019. The average attendance of 13,892 is also a record for any round of Super League stretching back to the launch of the competition in 1996, um, and which is a great, great sign when you start breaking records from the inception of a competition. Uh, that's always a good sign. Um, there were also some... Individual records broken this weekend as well. The capacity crowd of 24,275 for the Good Friday derby between Wigan and St. Helens was the highest at the DW Stadium for 18 years. And the highest, yeah, for a regular season Super League match since the all-time record of 31,555 for the game between Catalan's and Wigan, which was played at Barcelona's and New Camp at uh in 2019 so obviously that that was uh that's a really big deal that one <laughs> so that's a really good sign um another one the crowd of 20,985 for the whole derby at the mkm stadium earlier on good friday also capacity was hull fc's highest since 2009 and uh and you know not just the men's game but the women's game as well 5,308 who are in attendance for the Women's Super League season opener between Leeds and York in Heddenley, at Headingley, um, set a new record for the competition, beating 4,235 gate for the Women's Super League Grand Final in 2021. Uh, that was a standalone fixture there at Headingley. So, look, when you look at uh, the, the other attendances, Castleford Tigers uh, winning 16-4 over Wakefield Trinity in front of 8,075. Um, Hull KR, obviously, 40-0, unfortunately, against Hull FC, but still in front of 20,985. Very good crowd there. Wigan Warriors, 14-6, to uh, one against St. Helens in front of that 24,000. Record-breaking crowd there. Salford Red Devils, uh, 22-20. Sneaked past the Lee Leopards uh, in front of 6,002 fans. Warrington Wolves twenty to fourteen against Catalan Dragons in front of ten thousand seven hundred eighty six, and finally, uh, well, we don't know the score. I don't know the score, but Leeds Rhinos and the Hud- Huddersfield Giants played there in front of thirteen thousand. So look, when you look at that overall, uh, the the Super League over there is is doing quite well, um, at least from those stats. Um, you know, and and I know that if you look at averages, they're they're they've got a long way to go to match the NRL um, in terms of attendances, etc. But I think the point is that if you look at if you start looking at continually hearing about records being broken, biggest since the start of the the inception of the competition, you know uh, what I want to hear is that I want to hear biggest of all time. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear them mm. say this is the biggest crowd in England of all time in a regular match, uh, a regular season match. That's what I want to hear, because I know that since the Super League started, you know, before then, you know, we also had quite a few really great clubs that um, don't seem to be great anymore. You know, the Wiggins of the world and the Saint Helens. We hear about them, but there were other clubs that we would constantly hear about when uh the kangaroos were playing them during kangaroo tours etc um, i'd like to see more of that resurgence sort of uh continue over there in the super league um but this is certainly a good start i would say tish what do you think
1: yeah absolutely i think it's um yeah wonderful to hear that uh you know Super league over the Easter weekend they're able to break a record for the most number of yeah you know, attendance it's always a good thing it's you know it's spiking up which is great and um particularly like if you think about it you know the the biggest sport uh in England is the English Premier League the biggest competition and that's still going on and it's it's a very tight competition this year too so um you know the fact that they're able to still get their record crowds despite all that interest that is in EPL i think is a massive achievement right for for the super league so well yeah. done to them and um you know uh and look I'm not hundred percent sure whether they should put all the rivalries on the one weekend. It sort of makes sense, but then you're also kind of hot it a little bit too, because, uh, you know, what happens next week, um, <laughs> when there's no rivalries now, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but, but it does give, I mean, I mean, the, the, they sort of came out with the magic round a few years ago too. Right. So, um, you know, and then and then I think that's been a success in the super League and then the NRL saw it so I think they've always tried to do things and I think this is really really a great achievement and I think also seeing it across the the, the women's game um, you know I'm just wondering uh, you know with the, with the Hull FC and Hull KR do you think these this two uh, entities can ever merge their dr. T and maybe call maybe they could call themselves Hull KFC.
0: You've been waiting for quite some time to use that one, haven't you? But look, that's that would be whole KFC would be fantastic. I, I would say sponsored by KFC has to be. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Look, I, I, going back to your point about rivalry round, I think you're you're possibly, uh, yeah, you're possibly concentrating all your good rivalries in the one round and then uh, artificially spiking one round. Whereas, uh, you know, there's something, there's an argument to be made that you should spread that throughout the year so that you get, you know, good attention and focus on rivalries as they come up and local derbies as they come up during the season to, to sort of spark some interest during during the regular rounds. Um, but look, be that as I may, I think, yeah, you're right. Super League has, has done quite a bit recently to be innovative in their ideas of the Magic Round being one example. So maybe this is, uh, yeah, this is something that, that uh, look, I know we've done ri- we've done rivalry around as well, but to be honest, in the NRL, we've got lots of uh, rivalries that, you know, you can define rivalries in many ways, um, whereas I think in this case, yeah, a lot of it was uh, some rivalry, but some also local derbies as opposed to a true rivalry. So, um, mm. yeah, I think uh, the NRL, we've, we're kind of blessed in a way here in Australia because we've got uh, you know, many different ways you can spin a narrative to create a rivalry round. I mean, you got like, you know, Parramatta. Who, who could be their rivals? Well, you could, you could pick the Storm, <laughs> you could pick uh, the uh, the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs, yeah. the Panthers. Like, there's many ways that you could pick a rivalry and manly, stay. manly. Yeah, that's right. There's a there's a reason to. There's mm. quite a few rival, and I think that's the key. I think that what the um, the Super League needs to do is to. Uh, you know, organically let those rivalries grow and mm. uh, develop over time, and and you can't, you know, by putting them all into one rivalry round, that might, um, you know, that might sort of force others to think, well, that's, that's they're not our rivals; these guys are our rivals. It's like self, what's it called? Like confirmation bias. It's self-affirming. That you're saying mm. these are your rivals, as opposed to well, you could actually spark a rivalry with anyone. Really, just depends yeah. on what drama you get up to. But, um, but yeah, look, overall, I think the Super League seems to be doing well. Um, it, you know, there's a long way to go. There's a there's, there are some examples that I've heard of things not going so well over there, uh, and that things like rivalry around sort of masks some of the underlying issues. Um, I guess we have the same problem here in the NRL as well. We've got some good crowds at the moment, but what happens when uh, when the, the cold comes into Sydney? What happens when, <laughs> you know, what happens when teams start realising that they're out of the contention for the top eight? You know, mm-hmm. what happens to the crowds then? And that's really the, uh, that's really the thing to, to look out for, even in the NRL, which is uh, in many ways a lot stronger than the Super League. We've got issues here as well to contend with. Um, Tish, over to you for the final word
1: yeah well look um i think yeah again look well done once again we don't want to uh put too much shade on them uh so look i think uh yeah rivalries yeah as you said they they take time to develop um you need like uh you know you need like a yeah a game that has some sort of controversial (laughs) finish or something like that that (laughs) happens um you know so so or like you know players sort of moving from club to club or something like that but um But look, it's good to see that. I mean, the the tribalism and the, um, you know, going back to the actual traditional stadiums. I think I think um, that's one thing the NRL has has really put a focus on, and I think it's working quite well. Um, And it's good to see the Super League do that. And and look, at the end of the day, we just want the game to grow uh, in the UK like we do in other countries as well.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of other countries, uh, we're going to be talking to Chad about. How rugby league can break into the USA? Here we go, tackle number five. Well, in this uh, in this edition of Ask Chad, Chad GPT, we ask him uh, how can rugby league break into the USA, Chad.
2: Okay, here we go. Hi, DRT and Tish. (laughs) Rugby league has been played in the United States since 1954. (laughs) However, serious attempts to start the sport in the United States began only in the late 1970s. (laughs) The establishment of a national team and a domestic competition in the late 20th century has seen more recent progress rugby league is more like american football than its cousin rugby union superscript 2. it is these similarities that can help league catch on and thrive in the country superscript 2. in the last 10 years soccer has caught on in the u.s it has given fans an alternative to the slow nature of american sports Mm. rugby league offers common ground between fast-paced action and superscript (laughs) 2. There's no confirmed broadcaster for Super League Rugby in the U.S. at the time of writing Superscript 1. <laughs> the only alternative is to use one of the best VPN service providers to tap into coverage from another nation, Superscript 1. Hi, DRT and Tish. <laughs> All right. All Rugby right. League has been played in the U- Okay. Thanks <laughs> Thanks so much, Chad. Chad gets, uh,
0: you know, once he gets drinks a bit, he's had a bit too much um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> chocolate,
0: I think. Over the Easter break, but yeah, look, uh, I'm not sure if Chad really understands what we what we asked him to do. Um, look, uh, look, we all we all have our limitations. And Chad obviously has a, a lack of understanding about how rugby league can break into the USA. But look, he has mentioned a few things which are uh, which obviously we we know about. Um, you know that that definitely there is a lot more similarity with American football than Rugby Union has with American football. Um, Mm. And also, you know, there's been a lot of uh, 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 increased interest in soccer uh, over there in the US. So it is, I think that's a good sign. I think, you know, despite the fact Chad hasn't answered the question directly, uh, I (laughs) think indirectly he's given us a clue about what we need to do in rugby league circles is look to what's happening with soccer over in the U S and definitely, mm. uh, you know, it's gone through ups and downs and it's definitely been uh, very high profile over there. But I think what we've seen is uh, a bit of a, an exemplar of how a sport with a humongous, you know, the, the biggest footprint in the world, uh, in terms of sporting uh, attention, still can struggle in the United States because it doesn't quite capture the imagination. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's an acquired taste for some people who are used to high-scoring basketball or uh, or the brutal nature of American football. Uh, to mm. see soccer, uh, you know, you, you need a you need to appeal to either a different group of people or or you need to sort of approach it in a bit of a different way and not just sort of say, you know, here we are just like us, (laughs) you know, enjoy, enjoy football, enjoy soccer. You know, it's not going to happen. You need to sort of build up to it. And I think um, the key thing there is that because soccer has actually increased its interest in America, by quite a bit recently, um, you know, major league soccer is doing quite well. I think there's something we can learn there about, you know, starting with a competition building, building, building over time, uh, acquiring some big names that can promote mm. the sport over there, just like soccer has done. You know, there's there's a few kind of ingredients that you know you need if you want to succeed over there. Um, but also I think what we can learn as well from soccer is, is what not to do. And I think what not to do is... Uh, you know, we should act with a little bit of humility in terms of, you know, we can't just go in and say this is a, uh, this sport is, you know, much tougher than American football because they don't wear helmets and shit and pads and whatever. Um, I don't know if that approach is going to work. So look, Chad has, um, you know, come up with some good ideas there without even trying. <laughs> so as usual, is mm. he's uh, sparked some conversation, but Tish. To the point, how can Rugby League break into the USA? Uh, what do you think about uh, my my idea of, you know, let's look at what the lessons that we can mm. take from what soccer is doing and has been doing recently. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Well, look, I think um, I think there's something that we never really talk about or has never really been talked about uh, with any sort of talks when it comes to the US, and that is broadcast rights. Um you know, for a local competition, right? So, really, without that, the sport doesn't exist, right? Because if <laughs> if people don't know about it, it doesn't exist. And television is still, uh, you know, an American sport. I mean, it's kind of the biggest revenue generator, but it's also the biggest way to grow the the sport. So, I really think that television and uh, rights to be able to watch a local competition is great. I think what you uh, said is, uh, I think the 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 idea of you know, football being uh, a bit faster paced than the American football. Like, so soccer being faster paced than, you know, obviously, you know, so rugby league is basically, uh, you know, it's going to give you the same, it's going to give you uh, the brutality of, <laughs> of the N- NFL, right? Uh, so brutality like the NFL, I wouldn't say it's better. I would say it's like, you know, as you said, because you don't want to really, because uh, people are very passionate about the American football in America, right? So I would say something like, you know, um, the brutality like the NFL uh, with the, um, you know, with the fast-paced action like the NBA, right? Um, and and it's kind of like uh, something that is going to appeal to maybe a cross-section of both audiences, right? Something like that. Um, because if you look at the three three out of the four big sports in America, um, ice hockey, basketball, baseball, and uh you know, and and gridiron, um, three of those four sports are American sports, right? So they like their own. <laughs> so I think that's probably the, that is the biggest thing where you're trying to bring in a foreign sport to a very nationalistic place. It, it, it's where the difficulty, I think, is a little bit. So you've got to try and make it as much a, it's got to be their own before it goes anywhere. So, and I think that's why the whole, um, you know, let's take a, uh, a test match out there between Australia and England or New Zealand and England. And let's take, you know, an NRL game there. I think those things are are a great sort of spectacle, but I don't think it's actually going to do anything to actually grow the game in that country. I think it's, I think it has to be Americans playing it. And like, like, like an American competition I feel like that's what they're gonna get behind um uh, and I think Chad GPT yeah kind of kind of was saying that so that's my interpretation of the uh the wisdom that
0: we got out of <laughs> the wisdom of Chad, <laughs> Chad yeah. all right well that was uh this week's episode of ask Chad <laughs> and uh looking forward to next week but look let's move on to our final tackle our tips for round seven. interesting uh look (laughs) after six rounds uh yeah i i think last week i got five out of eight and uh you got three out of eight so that brings me to a total of 25 i'm slowly catching up to you or you are still ahead on 29 so um this round is an interesting one. Uh you know, speaking of rivalries, we've got some rivalries in this one as well. We're not we're not calling it a rivalry round, but there are definitely some uh some games there that are gonna be quite interesting. So look, let's launch into it. The Thursday night game is uh at Suncorp Stadium. It'll be the Dolphins against the Rabbitohs. Um you know
1: Wait, Wayne Bennett's uh, old club, right?
0: That's right. That's the Wayne Bennett Cup. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> There's quite a few Wayne Bennett Cups, but this is one of them. Um, but look, this will be an interesting one because the Rabbitohs, are, you know, they're doing well, but they have faltered a little bit along the way as well. So they're, they're kind of uh, not where they need to be, but they had a really good last outing against the Bulldogs. But I don't know if the Bulldogs are going to be the same quality as the Dolphins, and I think the Dolphins will give them a bit of a... A tough match, but I predict that the Rabbitohs in that pressure cooker environment of Suncorp Stadium will triumph.
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are bringing better form into the game. It's a home game, so it'll be a close one, but I think the Dolphins are going to take this one out.
0: All right, Friday evening, uh, the 6 o'clock game, so the non-free-to-air uh, televised game, is the Sharks versus the Roosters at PointsBet Stadium uh, in Cronulla there. Uh, I'm tipping the Sharks. Look, yeah. something just tells me the Sharks are just going to win this one. I think the Roosters have had, you know, some issues. Uh, we didn't talk about the the, the uh, James Tedesco head knock in the last game, but um, that certainly played a part. In uh, what happened with the storm, but I think the the sharks are primed for uh, a comeback to their yeah. uh, to the top of the ladder.
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the sharks too. They're coming off a buy, um, so I think they're going to be well rested taking on the roosters, who um, uh, yeah, probably lack a bit of confidence after what happened to them against the storm.
0: All right, uh, the manly warringah Eagles for the main Friday night game are playing. The Melbourne Storm at Four Pines Park. This would be, well, this is a rivalry that goes all the way back to two thousand and seven, I think, mm, uh, when they mm. played in that grand final. Uh, but look, I think the Storm are t- going to be too good this time. I think, I think Manly were surprisingly, shockingly bad uh, at some points in the last their last outing. So I think the Storm they're starting to put things together and be as clinical as we expect them to be. So Storm for me.
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to tip an upset. I'm going to tip the Seagulls at at home against the Storm because I think they bring their A game against Melbourne, um, and I could see that uh, combined with they're not being at their best, so they probably want to improve for this one.
0: All right. The New Zealand Warriors at home on Saturday at 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time at Mount Smart Stadium against the North Queensland Cowboys. I am tipping the Cowboys once again, to make their way, uh, just like the Sharks, up the ladder, and it starts this weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tip the Warriors at home against the Cowboys.
0: All right. Knights v Panthers, uh, Saturday 5.30 at McDonald Jones Stadium at uh, Newcastle there. Uh, I think the Panthers have shown that they, uh, despite the honest conversations of the Knights, I think the Panthers have had honest conversations for many years now, and I think they'll uh, do a number on them, actually.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think the Panthers are are showing some really good form at the moment, so Panthers for mine.
0: And a local derby, Titans v. Broncos Mm. at SeaBus Super Stadium. Uh, I'm actually tipping a bit of an upset here. I think the Titans at Saturday night, uh, it's going to be a big one there at Gold Coast, and I think the Titans will win this one.
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Broncos. Um, They've been playing so well. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of become the forgotten rivalry now, right? So uh, let's hope this is going to be a blockbuster.
0: All right. The Raiders, hot off their victory against the Broncos, up against the hapless St. George Illawarra Dragons, Saturday 2 p.m. at GRO Stadium in Canberra. I think at home Canberra will win this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tip the Raiders as well at home against the Dragons who have not been playing that well. So Dragons, I mean, Raiders for me.
0: Right, and finally, the uh, Eels v the Bulldogs—a true rivalry going all the way back to the eighties. At the Sunday four o'clock game at Combank Stadium, I think with all that's been happening uh, in the last couple of games for the Eels and the way they put it together today, and unfortunately the Bulldogs with how they were towelled up by the Rabbitohs last outing, I'm predicting the Eels to win this one quite easily.
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm with you. I'm going to tip the eels. And I just think what a great fixture for Sunday afternoon footy, Parramatta versus Canberra-Bankstown Bulldogs at Comback Stadium. I think it's going to be great. And let's hope the game's going to be fantastic too.
0: Oh, I think it will be, and I think we'll see some very good uh, return to the eighties style football, tough footy, but also some expansive footy. So looking forward to it. And I actually predict this is going to be probably the game of the round. So um, looking forward to it. But uh, and of course the West Tigers finally get the two points against <laughs> yes. the bye. So congratulations, West Tigers! You're off. Uh, you're off the ladder, off the bottom of the ladder at least. Well, you know, off the zero, no. but still at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. Um, yeah at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a great episode of uh, the Easter round episode of the NRL and the Rugby League Republic. Tish, uh, looking forward to next week. Looking forward to, uh, yeah, some good games coming up. If you get a chance, please head out there. I know it's still school holidays here in uh, New South Wales and in Australia, across Australia. So uh, hopefully there's there's enough people that are uh, out and about and, and want to catch a game before they head back to the routine of school uh, next term. But uh, look, over to you, Tish, to wrap things up.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. i I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all uh, for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.